If you would please find in your Bibles the book of Psalm, the book of Psalm chapter the book of Psalms, chapter 105, please. This is a really important section of Scripture that we're going to spend a few moments looking at together this evening. It is so important that this actual section of the Bible, Psalm 105 from verse 1 down to about verse 15, that is repeated almost verbatim over in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 from verses 8 to 22. And let me ask you, parents especially, whenever you would repeat something to your children, why would you do that? Two reasons maybe. One, because it's really, really important. Two, because you didn't feel like they were listening the first time. And I'm not sure why the Holy Spirit decided to repeat this section of Scripture a couple of times, but I am sure of this. This is really significant. This is really important because we're going to look just at the first seven verses or so of that section of, of the Bible because it gives us God's plan for us. It gives us God's inspired desire for us. It, it gives us a formula to live our lives where we are close to him, where we are close to the good people we need to be close to, and where we will have the quality of life that, that God has intended for us to have from the foundation of the world. Again, this is so important. He says it here and he says it elsewhere in the Bible. And, and you'll notice as we go through this together, and you may actually want to write these down, there are seven features to, to, the, to the full godly life. There are, maybe we could even say there, there are seven habits, things that we get to do maybe daily, if certainly not daily, then really, really frequently. And, and I would suggest maybe we, we do better than daily on some of these, that we repeat these habits several times during each day we're privileged to live. <clears throat> Seven is a significant number, isn't it? In life, in the Bible, there are seven days of the week. There were seven days of creation. Uh, some people would, would say that uh, in studying what they call numerology in our Bible, that they notice like the book of Revelation written to the seven churches in Asia Minor and, and there are seven seals. And, and the, the number seven just keeps recurring frequently in our Bible. And some people who, who have committed many years of study of that, they say that, and I wouldn't dispute this necessarily, I wouldn't just say it's an absolute though, but they say that when you see the number seven in our Bible, it, it usually indicates the idea of perfection. It, it indicates the idea of completion. And that is probably the case. And so it, it's, maybe that's one of the reasons that we, we have even books outside the Bible. Where, where people use the number seven, seven keys to, to financial health, seven keys to a, to a healthier marriage. You, you have heard of the book by Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So there, there maybe is something more significant than, than we would otherwise believe about this number seven. And so in, in this particular section of Scripture, 
we do find seven good things that we need to be busy doing. Notice these with me, maybe even write these down in the margin of your Bible. If you've got one of the kind of Bibles like I have that you, you mark up quite a bit. Psalm 105, beginning verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That's number one. We want to have a great life, want to have a great everlasting life, want to have it going well for us here, going even better for us in the hereafter. We get to be people who give thanks to the Lord. You remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the churches at, at Philippi. Remember, he is, I mean, he's going through it. He's getting older. His, his body has been worn out. His insides, his heart in a sense has also been worn out. He's, he's had a lot of thorns. He's had a lot of tears. And yet it's in that book that he tells the good folks there to rejoice always, to, to give thanks always. And, and then later to the churches at Thessalonica, he would even say, give thanks in all circumstances. So it is a common theme in our Bible that we need to be grateful people. We need to be appreciative. You, you heard us sing. You participated in the sing of a song just a few moments ago directing us to count our blessings. And we got a lot of blessings to count. It's, a, it's a really an impossible assignment, isn't it? But this we know, that our cups are overflowing. Is that old country song? I think there's a poem about it, how we're drinking from the saucer because our cups are overflowing. Count your blessings. For this what, what blessings would you list? What's your greatest blessing? That, that's Jesus Christ. We have his grace. We have his love. We have his mercy. We have his blood. We have his name. We have his plan for our life. We have a destiny with him. That, that's just one. That, that's Jesus. And underneath the blessed Jesus, an umbrella of, uh, of a host of treasures we have because of Jesus. Uh, we, we could just maybe even spend from now till Jesus comes listing the blessings we have because Jesus is coming, because Jesus has come, because Jesus is living in each of us. Again, that's just one category of blessings. And then with the blessings of family. Some don't have the best families. Most of us do. Most of us have better husbands, better wives than we deserve, better children, better parents than we deserve, better brothers and sisters than we deserve. You know, we're, 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 we're again drinking from the saucer when it comes to our families. We have, we have great friends to be thankful. We have a great church to be thankful for. We have uh, great financial prosperity to, to be thankful for. We we uh, actually feed our pets more and better quality food than many people in the world receive. There are people tonight that are drinking from puddles. They're drinking from puddles. If they're going to have any water, all it comes from a puddle. We're blessed. We're blessed. Think about what's in our pantries. Think about what goes in our garbage disposal. We're blessed people. We have so much to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. So number one, let's give thanks. Let's be the most thankful of people. And by the way, have you noticed that the more thankful we are to God, the more thankful we are to people that God has put into our lives? One of the easiest things to do in this life is say thank you. I'll illustrate. Thank you for being here tonight. That, that's easy. Cost nothing. Let's be the most thankful people of all. So we give thanks to the Lord, especially, that's number one. Number two, call upon his name. That's especially, isn't it, 
thinking about, about prayer. We want to be, usually when you see that phrase in our Bible, it does have reference to us reaching out to the Father in, in communication. We want it to be twofold communication, not, not just monologue us telling God what we want God to know, what we want God to hear from us, but we're also listening to God. We're, we're talking to God. We're listening to the Father talk to us through his word. And then later you'll see we're talking about God. That's the recipe for a, a wonderful life. Pray. Paul told the, the church at Thessalonica to do what? Pray without ceasing. How's that possible? How Does that literally mean that 24 hours, seven days a week, we're to be engaged in prayer? Hands folded, eyes closed, heads bowed. Not really because that would make obedience to other commands impossible. It's kind of like we eat without ceasing, we sleep without ceasing, we breathe without... It, it doesn't mean that we are continually doing each of those, although we are continually breathing, but it means there are no substantial gaps. We always eat, we always sleep, we always go to work, we always go to school, we're always involved in prayer. There's never a moment of our lives where we allow too much time to pass between those activities that are important. We, we wake up in the morning with a prayer. God, thank you for giving me a good night's rest. Thank you for waking me up. A lot of people did not wake up today. We did. We need to say thank you for that. And we need to cherish this day. We, as we go through the day before we, before we eat lunch, right? We're, we're wanting to thank God for that meal. And we, we, we don't necessarily need to make it a, hey, everybody wants your attention now, I'm going to pray. I want you to view me as a super religious person. But uh, when we are in a public place, we, we don't need to be ashamed to, to bow our heads and offer thanks for the, for the meal, kind of reconnect. It helps us to remember who we are, whose we are, how we're to be. We, we, we're thanking God for helping us to, to have a productive morning. And then maybe as we're leaving school or leaving work, headed to home, that's another good time to reconnect with the Father and thank you for helping me to have a good day. If I got some things wrong, help me to do better tomorrow. Help me to have a great evening with my family. Can you imagine how much better our nights would be with our loved ones if before we have that night with our loved ones, we ask God, help us have a good night with our loved ones? You think he's going to say no to that prayer? Of course not. And then we're, we're eating again with family, right? We're going to be praying again at that time. I, I never saw Jesus eat anything without praying first. That's kind of a good, a good uh, lesson for us. It's a kind of a good encouragement there for us to always pray before we put that food in our mouths. Thank God for providing for us. And then, you know, before we go to sleep that night, Good time to, to, to pray with those that are in our houses, uh, hold hands, reconnect, you know, help us get a good night's rest, help us to wake up tomorrow, help us to have a productive day. It's just, it's just an, it's an idea that works. Families that pray together stay together, but not just stay together, they grow together. They, they have joy together. They're, they're a blessing to the, to the church, to the community together. So we're giving thanks to God because our cups are overflowing. We're calling upon his name in prayer. And then, do you see this? Number three habit, make known his deeds among the people. 
All right, let's, uh, let's put a flag right there and let's work on this. Let's work on this. We, we have social media. We have technology where we can literally push a few buttons and we can say anything about, about anything to anybody and everybody literally all over the world. Why, oh why, wouldn't we use that great resource to do what this verse says, make known his deeds among the people? They didn't, you know, David, when he's penning these words, he didn't have that ability. He didn't have that resource. We have that now. We can let people know, not just through social media, we can let people know, some of you going to the gym tomorrow. Find a way to talk about God today. One thing you can work in the conversation, you know, it's going to be a topic. You know, something bad happened in our community. You know, a police officer was killed in the line of duty. That's something that's going to be in people's hearts and minds. That's a talking point, isn't it? That's a, that's a, that's a heartbreak that, that people are going to need to, 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 to be verbal about. So we have an opportunity to talk about God in connection with that, that terrible thing. That one of the issues in our community, in our land, is, is a departure from the, from the ways of God. You might even could talk about today's worship assembly, particularly this morning, where a lot of our members showed up wearing blue just as a way of honoring, a very simple gesture, honoring those who, who try to keep us safe in, in law enforcement. You can tell, can't you, what, what matters to people in a certain way, you can tell what matters to us by looking at our checkbook, by what we spend. You can tell what matters to us by not just how we invest our money, but how we invest our time. But also you can tell what matters to us, to others, about what, what they talk about. And, and I, I've confessed to you before that I have not been as, as, as diligent or vigilant in, in trying to talk about Jesus uh, in just every conversation that God gives me opportunity to have. And, and I, since I, I've tried to do better, and I, I'm, I'm truly remorseful, because I talked about God, talked about Christ, but, but didn't take advantage of every opportunity. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm trying to get better, and I want you to, to help me try to get better, and you try to get better at it too. But I, I've noticed that, that uh, it, it just, it just it, it, it elevates my mood, it helps me to, to, to feel good about what I have just done. Uh, I, I don't want us or myself to, to, to be guilty of talking about everything and anything but the commanded thing. I still talk about the weather. I still talk about football games. I still talk about my grandchildren. I still talk about my puppies. I still talk about lots of things, and that's okay. That's good. We've got to be a balanced people. But, but how can we not talk about the one that died for us at Calvary? How can we not talk about Jesus? How can we talk about anything and everything but the commanded thing or the commanded one? When I read my Bible, we've been given one command to talk about something. And, and it's not the weather, it's about Jesus. It's this great commission. Everywhere we go, every day, everywhere around everybody, we need to be putting in a good word for Jesus Christ. Why would we be reluctant to do that? Well, people think we're fanatic. People don't want to hear that. Well, the more people don't want to hear that, the more they need to hear that. Uh, um, the Word of God is so powerful.
What Jesus has done and continues to do for us is so amazing. It must be appreciated. It must be talked about. So work it into the conversation. God will, God will give you opportunities. And, and here's, here's what will be a great, here's where we'll know we've really grown in that area. When we, when we have a conversation with somebody about something, and if we fail to, to inject God, spiritual things, Jesus somehow in that conversation, when we fail to do that, and then after that we're thinking, I missed an opportunity there. And I pray that God will give me another one. And, and then we'll know we're starting to really grow in that area. I'm guessing that everybody in this house will have opportunity, maybe even before we go to bed tonight, but certainly before we go to bed tomorrow, to do what this text tells us, make known his deeds among the people. Uh, let Christ be the hero of our stories, not our, ourselves. And then you, you see this, if you skip verse 2 there for a moment, we're seeing him, we're going to come back to that in a moment. You see the next line of verse 2 says, Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Doesn't that remind you of Acts chapter 2? What, what does it say that the, Peter and the apostles were talking about? They were talking about the, the, the wonderful works of God. Uh, do, is, it, is it possible that because there is so much garbage out in our world, there is so much bad that we're actually guilty of the opposite. We're talking more about the horrible works of the devil than the wonderful works of God. And the, the, the horrible works of the devil, they do need to be talked about. They do need to be acknowledged. And we need to recognize that his fingerprints are on all of that. He owns that. But, but let's talk about God. Let's talk about the good that he's doing for us and, and through us and, and, and the good that he can do for for the audience of our, of our message. Um, it's easy to get, to get trapped into talking about ourselves too much, talking about the devil and his deeds too much, and God kind of gets crowded out of the, of the conversation. Um, I've used this phrase before, and it's not original with me, but it's like we're on, we're on third base, and, and we, we think we hit a triple. No, God allowed us to be born on third base. He, he allowed us to have all these blessings, and we need to acknowledge him. We need to praise him, or as this text says, glory in his holy name. So I want to, number one, give thanks to the Lord. Number two, want to be calling on his name. Be vigilant in prayer. We need to be putting in a good word for him every day, everywhere we're by. That's number three. And then number four, this is what we've done with, with Sawyer leading us tonight, uh, sing to him. And then do you notice this next line, sing psalms to him. It, again, it, it's a doubling up. You see that, sing to him, sing psalms to him. He's saying basically the same thing twice. Why do we say things twice again? Because people aren't listening or because it's real important. This is real important. That we, we sing to him. What is the, what is the reason that, that uh, a lot of denominational folks, good people, have added various mechanical instru instruments of music into their worship because God was dissatisfied with the singing? 
They probably didn't ask that question to him. But because people were dissatisfied, didn't like the quality of it, didn't like the pitch of it, didn't like the sound of it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't concert worthy. It wasn't a, a, a fancy enough production. And, and people were disappointed and people had meetings and they said it'll be better with a piano. It'll be better with harps. It'll be better with guitars and drums. And, and then all that, all that came in. But here is something interesting. It says, sing to him. Sing psalms to him. We're to edify each other. We know that from Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, other passages, right? And our singing. But the, 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 the primary audience is not me, it's not thee, it's, it's God. Does that mean that we, we shouldn't try to pitch our songs as well as we can and, and sing as enthusiastically and as well as we, we can. I, that's not, not teaching that at all. But it is, it's reminding us that, that the audience for our worship is not the folks sitting in the audience, in the pews here. It is, is our Heavenly Father. And, and we can make a, a joyful noise to Him. We, we can ignore. Remember what Christ said in it's John 4, 24, they that worship him, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Christ, again, is not just telling us how to worship, but he's telling us the target, the objective, the, the audience of our worship. It's not us. We're the beneficiaries, big time, of the worship, of course, but it is our Father. Am I singing tonight in a way that honors God? Am I singing tonight in a way that pleases the Father? Is my singing directed at Him? Am I, am I in this? Am I focusing on this? Am I, am I paying attention to the words? A, a song is, in a sense, is like a prayer with a melody added to it. And, and we, we don't want to be guilty of vain repetitions. We want, we want to put our heart in our sin. We want to put our soul in our, our singing. Sawyer, you helped us do that tonight. And I'm so proud of Sawyer, proud of Eli, all these guys who get up and lead us in singing. But our focus should not be, understandably, on the song leader. It shouldn't be on the people around us. It should be on God. It should be on our Father. We are singing to Him, sing psalms to Him. By the way, have you considered that this is not just something to do in worship assembly? Just sing. Sing in the shower, sing in the car, sing in the house, sing in the workplace, may have some issues, sing in the classroom, may have some issues. But uh, it's a good thing to sing. It's a better thing to sing praises to our Father. So we're giving thanks to the Lord, that's number one. We're calling on His name in prayer, that's number two. Number three, we're talking about Him, talking about all the good things that He has done, is doing, and will do on behalf of us. And we're singing. We're singing joyfully. We're singing enthusiastically. We're doing our best to honor God with every song we sing. And then I see this next. After glory in his holy name, I see, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. We make a decision to live joyfully. We're living joyfully because we're living with Jesus. Again, getting back to the words of the battered Apostle Paul, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why do we repeat things? People aren't listening. Or number two, because it's really important. It's important that we go through life with a smile. It's important that we tell our faces we're Christians. We're bound for the promised land. Uh, a miserable Christian, that should, be, that should be two words that don't go together. Like, like a white chocolate, jumbo shrimp, words like that. They just don't, don't make sense, do they? And, and we have been given the best of lives. By the, by, the, by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so let us remember the good. Let us remember the love. Let us remember the grace. Let us remember the, the bountiful treasures that we have. And let us remember those things with a smile. I'm impressed with the early church. Because they had a list. I mean, they had, they had troubles, right? They didn't have the blessings that we could not approach the blessings that you and I enjoy even tonight. And yet, we read how they, they ate their meat with gladness. They're coming together sometimes behind locked doors for fear of the bad folks on the other side and what they might do if they're caught. But they're eating with gladness. We do that. We, we come together. You know, it's not too much longer that we'll get together for, for Thanksgiving, right? And we're going to eat the ham and the turkey and the sweet potatoes and the, and the, the, the dressing. And some of you are even going to eat some green stuff. And, and then lots and lots of desserts. And what are we doing? We're looking. You're, you're tasting it now, aren't you? Your you're, 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 um, endorphins are being released. The serotonin's kicking around. And we're getting an emotional high just thinking about the Thanksgiving meal. Why can't we have that attitude about every day? That there's just there's too many blessings just to be packed into one day of, of smiling and rejoicing and celebrating the blessings we have. Um, you don't, don't you agree that we Christians ought to be the most cheerful, the most joyful people of all, of all? Because we have received more than anybody else has received. Uh, is there anybody more blessed than you? Is there anybody more blessed than Jeff Abrams? Not really. Not in the, not in the, in the things that matter. And can, can you just imagine how transformational it would be if people at work know you to be the most joyful person in the place? If people know you to be the most joyful student in the classroom? If they know you to be the most cheerful member of the team. If, if folks in your neighborhood know you to be the happiest person on the street. If people in your various clubs and organizations, they know you to be the, the smiling one, the, the more positive, optimistic one. We Christians have not been given the liberty to be cantankerous, to be cranky, to be grouchy, to be miserable, to, to just be blah, with life. You know, our favorite color can't be blah. You know, we can't just get in every elevator and push the down button. We have so much to be, to be joyful about, to be smiling about. And, and these, these Christians, they so impress me because when just on the outside looking in, it looks to me like they ought to be having pity parties. They ought to be every day saying, God, why me? Um, but they're living with a smile. 
and, and, and they're, they're praising God and they're having favor with all the people. Just, just think about this honestly. Do you want to be with people that are unhappy? You got an option. I can go over here and be with this happy person. I can go over here and be with this miserable person, always whining, griping, complaining. Who are we going to choose? I mean, the extra noble among us may choose this person to try to pump them up, cheer them up, make life better. But we prefer joyful people. We, we, we prefer people. You know, the two types of people, right? In a sense, everybody brightens a room, right? Some people brighten a room by entering it. Some people brighten a room by leaving it. We want to be with the people who brighten the room, who, who, who illuminate joy. One of the, one of the reasons that God continues, I think, to bless us with, with good people coming on board here is that uh, so many of our members have a positive disposition, live with a smile. I was fortunate, blessed, much better word than fortunate. I was blessed to be with some of our older members in the mountains for a few hours, basically, in the first part of, of this past week. And, you know, there are people that have had some, some trials and struggles. They could write some books about how some things didn't go their way. But, but they, they just laugh so loudly, so, so quickly. It's just a, it's a fun group to be around. And it seems like that's what God expects of us. He, you know, have, have you ever given something to your child? And it didn't really seem to make them happy. How does it make you feel? God has given us a lot to be happy about. And when we're not happy, wonder how that makes him feel. <laughs> Smiles, joy, is a way also of showing our appreciation for the blessings we have from God. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. That's number five. Number six, seek the Lord. You see all this here in verse four? Seek the Lord. We're also to seek his strength. We're to seek his face. And then you see this word at the end of that, evermore. In other words, don't take any days off in pursuing the Lord, in pursuing spiritual things. You remember Christ said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's not an every now and then thing. It's, there's a consistency to it. It's an every hour of every day endeavor. We're seeking God. We're seeking the face of God. We're seeking to be like God. We're in full pursuit of him. Um, starting is so easy, isn't it? And regrettably quitting is too. One of the, the downfalls, isn't it, of our culture, it's easy to quit. Quit your team, quit your family, quit your job, quit your Lord. It's just, and once we start quitting one thing, it becomes an easy habit to quit other things. But we want to continue to seek our Father. Seek Him early, seek Him middle of the day, seek Him late in the day, seek Him every day. And, and when we're seeking the Lord, we will find the Lord. What Jesus say? Seek and you shall find. He's not hiding from us. Maybe we're hiding from Him. He's not hiding from us. Seek him every day. That's number six. Number seven, last of all, remember his marvelous works. That's verse five. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Um, 
our list of these marvelous works that we're to remember. You think about this. Our, our list is so much longer than David's list. David had a list, and he's king. But our list is more impressive. We have been, as mentioned earlier, we have been abundantly blessed by God. What does remembering that do for us? Think about, think about what we have rightly called the, the chiefest of the blessings. That's Jesus Christ. Think about what, rem, what remembering that blessing does for us. Remembering what happened at Calvary does for us. Why do we do this every seven days? There's that number again. Why do we remember the blood that was spilled for us? Why do we remember the cry from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? What is the value to that? Appreciation, but also doesn't it give us great incentive to live the kind of life that says to Jesus, I'm sorry, that I have sinned. I'm sorry that I needed your blood. If you read the book of Hebrews, actually, it's, it's incredible to me. It, it sounds like, in a sense, if we, if we or if anybody persists in their rebellion to, to Christ, to the, to the will for us, then the crucifixion, in a sense, can continue. And, 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 and that's got to be born out of forgetting what our sins did to Christ, if we remember that. I mean, just think of it this way. Think of every time you and I sin, something horrible happens to somebody we love. If we really love them, what would that do for us? It would cause us, I'm never going to sin because I don't want to hurt my kids. I don't want to hurt my, my wife. I don't want to hurt my buddy. I mean, if every, every time we sin, they got hurt, surely we'd stop sinning. Well, listen, every time we sin, Christ is hurt. The Father's hurt. We're hurt. Those who love us also hurt. Remembering that... That should prompt us to do no harm, right? We have so much good to remember. Remember, remember, remember. When we forget, it's the beginning of ingratitude. It's the beginning of a path that leads to a lot of terrible sinning. And we don't want to go there. Seven habits. Hope you've written them down. Put a mark by them. Try it. Try it and see how much more our lives will be blessed. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for our Bibles. Thank you for the practical instruction that are found here in this uh, amazing book. We're, we're grateful for Psalm 105, for these seven keys to, to having a great life here, great relationship with you, a life that would honor you. Forgive us, Father, the times that we have not been active in, in praying as we should, in, in expressing gratitude as we should, in, in talking about you and all the great things you have done, are doing, will do for us, through us, in us. Father, forgive us of the times that we have not been putting in a good word for you, that, that you have not been the lead in our conversations. Help us to do better. Help people to know who we are and whose we are. Help us to not be guilty of trying to be an anonymous Christian. Restore to us, Father, also the joy that we should have as we live victoriously through Christ and in Christ. And Father, also help us to remember. We have so much that we need to remember. We have places to be. We have appointments, so many details of this life that require good memory. But above all, God, help us to remember you. Help us to remember your love. 
your treasures that we've been given. Help us above all to remember what Jesus has done for us at Calvary. And help us to remember what our sins do to Christ. Help us also to remember what our good choices do for the heart of Christ. Father, we want to smile. We want to have joy. But we also want you to smile in our direction. We want you to have joy when you see us, when you think of us. Help us to live the kind of life that will make that happen. Forgive us, God, of all our sinfulness as we repent, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. If we need to seek the forgiveness of those we've harmed, even tonight, help us to do that. If we need to put on Jesus Christ in, in baptism for the remission of every sinful thing we've done, help us to do that tonight as well. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. If we can help you in any way, would you come please while together we stand and sing. With sorrow.